In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm noah nelson and welcome to episode 376 this week a special episode of the pod as leah davis our new england correspondent takes over the host duties for a panel on larp that's live action role playing for those of you who don't speak the lingo uh in 2023 they're joined by darker larper aka dan a larp creator and academic and nicholas fortuno director of gaming pathways at city college of new york and a no proscenium contributor we're very proud of that uh he's also the co-founder of the come out and play festival Plus, I'm hanging around in the background. It's a great discussion that will be of interest to those who are LARP curious and those who are so far IG that OOC only happens when all access to the Discord is down, if you know what I mean. What I mean right now is business, the business of running this here podcast and the attendant websites, social media pages, and whew, newsletters, pod spews, van casts, whatever else the new media gods throw at us. Come at me. We've outlived you all. Uh, we do it all. Um, <laughs> all thanks to the help of our Patreon backers. That's right. You keep this going. Uh, amongst their number, we now count Julian Rad, Anthony Chavetta. We got a big bump from existing backer Nicole Orabona and a brand new sustaining backer in the form of Daryl. Thank you all so much. Right now, we're at $2,666 a... Wait, wait. That can't be. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay, can somebody just become a 2 or $5 backer on Patreon and give it us off that number? Thanks. Thanks. It's a weird number to be on. Now, this does mean we're a little over, right, a little over, not a little under, a little over 300 a month shy of our three, of a $3,000 a month in our Patreon, uh, which means I'm, I'm getting ever so closer to uh, target minimum wage. Uh, employee really excited there um and with the cost of mailchimp and our sba loads coming due we really do need the support now more than ever uh you can uh help us out by help me out by going to patreon.com slash no proscenium keep us meaning me from having to start slamming everything behind a paywall as if we were the new york times and i don't really want to do that but if i have to i will the Patreon backers will be like, hey, cool. And everyone else will be like, where's our stuff? How dare you? And I'll be like, oh, can I get you guys to argue with my landlord and the debt guys? Because, because yeah. Yeah, let's see how that works. If you're already a backer, drop a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and share the podcasts and articles you find useful on your social media platform of choice. It helps immensely. Just really, really does. It's almost sad how much it helps. Uh, we are always no proscenium, except on Insta, where we are no underscore proscenium. As always, big thanks to our... Don't don't run. Don't run. There's some stuff after this. As always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mustry, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, 
Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, Tom Leonetti, Leonetti McGuire, Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, The Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. Whew, that list is getting long, but thank goodness it is there. We're also on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers. Hit me up at noah at nopersinium.com for details. Like I said, we're open for business. Here's something you can hit up in New York City next month. The quarterly immersive community meetup. This time out at the Cell Theater on February 6th at 7.30 p.m., there will be a presentation from Patchwork Adventures, who will be in the midst of their residence at the Cell, creating a culinary escape game called The Order of the Golden Scribe, Initiation Tea, and there'll be a hangout afterward in the space. Check the show notes for the link. And now, Leah, take it away. Hi, everyone. I'm Leah Davis, senior editor at NoPro, and today we're going to talk about LARPing in 2023. I'm here with some friends, Darker LARPer, hey. Nick Fortuno, director of Gaming Pathways at City College of New York. Hi, everybody. And Noah Nelson, normally the founder of No Persinium, uh, but currently our engineer for this episode. You know my voice. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You're all here today. We're all here because we are big old nerds. Um, what was it you said, Darker Larper, Dan? Uh, grade A certified nerds. Absolutely. We're, we're bottom of the barrel, which I think makes us cream of the crop. This is fantastic tonight. Uh, but we're here because we love LARP. Uh, we're connected to LARP. Some of us are LARP writers. Uh, and I wanted to kick this thing off just by going around the room and you guys tell me who are you and what was your first LARP? Yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, I'm Darker LARPer, also known as Dan. Uh, I make things on the internet. I'm a human person and have been around for a human amount of time. I also happen to be a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, primarily working with LARPs and TTRPGs. I'm also a LARP right and a bunch of other things. And my friends declared Dan of all trades. Uh, my first LARPing experience was when I was a teenager and I'm lucky enough to have grown up in this golden age of LARPing um, where LARPing was just it was fun with your friends um, if you're familiar with the lightning bolt um, video from ye old days um, I was playing that particular game which is Amp Guard um, something that I categorize as a part of the foam sport LARPs, the ones that are focused on athleticism and hitting each other with boffer or foam weapons uh, that have been around, you know, since the 70s, give or take 10 years, depending on who you ask. And that was my first LARP. Man, Lightning Bolt guy was my hero. Um, I, I only wish that I could be like him. Um, but I, I've got I've been catching up <laughs> since seeing that. Uh, was it a vine even? I is think it, it was a vine? vine. I think it's older than Vine, but I think it was transferred to Vine like so many things were. Man, the before times. Um, well, thanks for that. I'm glad you're here, Dan. Uh, Nick? Yeah, I like the, I like the setup of before times. Um, all right. So I'm a game designer. Uh, I co-founded a company called Playmatics. I co-founded a festival called Come Out and Play. I research interactive narrative. That's like sort of my academic 
hobby horse and I teach it and I've taught it for many, many years. Um, so I started LARPing uh, when I was 18 uh, because it was 1993 and right around that time, Vampire the Masquerade had released the first boxed, published live action role playing game called The Masquerade. And I was curious about it. So I started a game and then through AOL, uh, emailed people to join it through some like Usenet group that got interested. And then I ended up running a LARP called Seasons of Darkness for five years. Um, the, the fun fact about this is that um, that LARP. Uh, had about 50 people in it. It was run in New York City. It was a pure Vampire the Masquerade, but really old school Vampire Masquerade LARP. Uh, and another player in that LARP was Eric Zimmerman. And it was playing in that LARP that caused me to meet Eric Zimmerman, get an internship at Game Lab, and become a professional game designer. So I owe LARPs my entire game design career. Complete sidebar. But Nick, I think we have a set of mutual friends from ye old days and we should totally like connect about that later ha that's funny i wouldn't be surprised larp larp still bringing people together in 2023 uh noah i, I know you're lurking out there oh yeah i mean I'm, I'm looking oh yeah and larp is a always a smaller world than, than you think it is like immersive is uh so much like nick around the same time frame uh one could technically say that my first LARP was when I ran a Vampire the Masquerade game. We we didn't use the box set uh, at first. We just modded the tabletop role-playing rules, stuck a D10 inside the little bubbles you get out of the the machines, right? You put a quarter <laughs> in, you get like a football helmet or something. We just stuck a we just stuck a, a a die in there, ran around, did it that way. Um, but if I wanted to be really technical, the first time we found ourselves LARPing, even though we didn't know it was LARPing, we had, I was part of like a high school, multiple high school theater troops like knew each other in the East Bay of the Bay Area. And uh, like three different high schools worth of of theater kids, which itself now to me sounds like a nightmare, but then was like heaven. Uh, we all went to go see um, the Three Musketeers, like the one with Kiefer Sutherland uh, and, and the rest of those guys, right? Uh, so we all went to go see that together. And then we we retreated back to our friend's pad. There was like 20 of us where we had set up a swashbuckling uh, GURPS game, GURPS being the generic universal role-playing system from Steve Jackson's games, and uh, proceeded to play a scenario in there. And because we were theory kids and 20 people playing a tabletop game was too much, we started to drift into what we would what I would best call proto-LARP. Because everyone, not everyone was the swashbuckler. People were like the abbot, the the bar, you know, keeps, all that kind of stuff. And and it it did peter out after like two and a half hours when they got involved in some combat and everyone else had nothing to do. But we would use that house a lot and a lot and like 80% of the people who were there that night were who we played vampire with. So that's <laughs> that's how we started by homebrewing some ridiculousness. Um, once upon a time. I, I love everything about that, but um, I've got to tell you, I've got this list of questions and I, I want to throw them out now because all I can think about is uh, LARP and, and TTPRGs and uh, GURP. Why do LARPers love acronyms so much? It makes you feel a part of the in-group. Like, yeah. like, truly it does. And, you know, LARP and you're like oh bleed oh yeah I G O O C like 
these things that really make you feel a part of like a group of people that like has a specific language that they share which I think is really funny because a lot of times you start getting into this thing where everyone assumes that they know what things mean because <laughs> they think they do but there's a regionality that exists not just in the United States which is like my main location of focus and study but also like across the world. Well, okay, I want to confess, I, I wanted to LARP for a long time when I was in high school and college, before I even really understood what LARPing was, um, something about it called to me, and I did not LARP until my until well into adulthood, into my 30s. Um, and I think a part of why I didn't was because some of it felt really inaccessible to me. It felt like part of a community that I was not a part of. Um, so... I thought we'd start on that on that note there, I guess. Um, and I'm really fascinated to find out what what made it so that y'all felt comfortable jumping into LARP so early. Uh, in my case, kind of pure ignorance. I mean, I, I just did it as a really raw experiment. Almost everyone I was doing it with either had never done it before or had, you know, in, in similar ways to what Noah described, had ad hoc done it. So, um, and the New York LARP scheme was like really uh, very uh, insular, like you described and a little bit precious about itself at the time. And so, you know, I just ran a somewhat welcoming game and I think that made it really open to people. I would, you know, one of the other things that happens, I think with this language is that role-playing is so much about frame shifting. It's like so much about jumping between different states of persona that we want to make things like very abbreviated and signaled and quick right? Because we don't want to, and I think this is, you know, to the point of the state of the industry and some of the changes that have happened, like definitions of how you transition from state to state and what constitutes a transition have changed quite dramatically from when I was young. But there's always been this concern about like, am I in character or out of character? And what if I have to say I need to have a drink of water, but my character doesn't need to have a drink of water and my character would look weak if they drank water. So I need to signal to everybody like my badass character doesn't really need a drink of water, but I do because I'm going to die. <laughs> You know, you don't, you want to do that really fast. So you just, you just do OOC or you actually do it with your hand, right? Like you do it with like a, like a faux sign language, like circle, circle, open circle hand and everybody gets it and just goes. And that is insular, right? Like it's, it's as insular as you get. It's a jargon, but it, it's serving a purpose within the community. And I think that, um, uh, like at least what I know from people I've talked to is that LARPing, LARPing tends to just be massively intimidating for people. And unless you have like a really welcoming group or like a buddy, it's, I just, I don't know how, how you would do it if you've never done it before, because it would, you know, there's no, no one's giving you rules. No one's giving you culture. It, it can, it can really be standoffish, although, I, and I'm interested, um, you know, I'm interested from everybody else in the conversation. I found that like going to some of these more blockbuster LARPs, there are people there who've never LARPed before. So some people maybe because of the rise of immersive have felt this freedom to just like jump into it. And I always find that like terrifying for them, like whether that's going to be an experience that they could process. Yeah, I mean, right on that, as someone who is on staff for a large blockbuster style LARP, um, it's it's surprising how many people are like, I have not LARPed before, but I'm really interested in it. And when you start talking to them about things that they have done previously, things that are interesting to them. And this is like my controversial upset everyone in the room kind of vibe that like LARPing is much more broad than people really think it is. And a lot of people have participated in this like immersive style play 
without even realizing it mm-hmm. uh and like in a more formal way too than they often will like think about as well and i find it really interesting because the number one worry that a lot of new people approach me with is like how do i know if i'm doing it right how do, how do I figure this out? And it's one of those things where I'm like, look, if I had that answer, well, I would tell you. You know, that's super interesting to me because as a um, a neurodiverse person myself, I feel like I go through life every day wondering how, how do I know if I'm doing it right? And I find that LARP is one of the only places where I feel quite calm and certain because we're all being very explicit about what the rules are. Um, so part of me kind of wants to... <laughs> To say, get good with it. Get good with not knowing, because a lot of people don't know all the time. But anyways, I digress. Oh, no, Um, it's totally a thing. And I think that different styles of, like, LARP have different things. There are LARPs with win conditions, even though that's something that a lot of the mm -hmm. times we kind of push against in a talking about LARP thing. Because, you know, some actually do, where there is a goal. There is a quote-unquote winner, um, which is sacrilege, I know. But... Uh, there's like a balance point. There's also things that are super loose and freeform and we're, you know, what are, we, what are we doing? And we're here for a good time. That's why we're here. <laughs> and like everything in between. And I think one of the big things that I'm like kind of a champion for is like finding the right LARP for you because not every LARP is for everybody, but there should be room for like everybody in LARP mm. and kind of like figuring out what you need, what you like, what you're interested in and what you're not. Um, so that's like what I spend a lot of my time talking to people who are new to LARP or want to do it and haven't done it yet and are like, where do I start? That's usually the conversations that I'm having. Well, so, so both of you have now talked about welcoming new people into these communities. Um, and some of the, the norms and rules that we set up to interact both in and out of character. Uh, I'd love to hear about either of your experiences with really great onboarding? Uh, is there a time that you, that is there something, um, maybe an onboarding experience that you've, that you're remembering um, or that you think about whenever you think about writing something new for new players? Uh, tell me about it. I have to say that for me, a lot of my experience of live action role playing has to do with other players and that the structures of the LARP in the onboarding um, are usually the most effective when they just sort of like get out of the way. They, they sort of give you a context that you sort of understand and then you just sort of get out of the way. So um, uh, Project Ascension did a pretty good job of that, of just like, okay, you're in this group. This is a group of people you know. Here are some relationships. Uh, we have a night where you can just kind of hang out, go hang out, and and here's a, here's a, here's a shred of context to make that make sense to you. And that was good, but it points to this thing about LARP, which I think is always true. And I, and I really, I, I really do think this is true. I don't think this is escapable is that it, it, it's relying on the other people, right? Like that was a good onboarding me in part because the design gave us the context to play. But if I didn't have someone to play tennis with there, uh, and actually a, like a, a significant group of people who would play tennis with me and had fun playing tennis with me, it wouldn't have worked, right? Like it, it needed the participation of other people. And so um, for me, I, I, and this is in part because I'm like, I'm like, I'm quite old school at this stuff. I feel like there's an onus on players and alert to lift a bit 
Um, you know, like I tend to have good on-ramping when, when I lift and the way I'm a good partner to new players is that I help them lift, right? I mm -hmm. engage them in conversation. I make sure that the things that they say are rewarded. I give them equal attention. If I see they're not engaged, I will like find ways to draw them in. Like I, I, I use teacher techniques, frankly, to just like try to keep everybody in the circle and to make them feel okay. Cause I think, you know, my answer to the, like, how do you feel comfortable in a LARP is like, just be your character. Don't worry about how you're performing. Don't do an accent. If you don't like it, don't try to win. <laughs> right. Just, just think like your character and then do the things that follow from that. And don't worry about anything else. And when people do that, they start to get more comfortable and that doesn't necessarily make them great LARPers the next second. But what it does is it like alleviates all the anxiety they might feel about performing, which is, I think like a, it, it's a real stressor and it's, legitimately not what LARP is about when you do it a lot. So getting people out of that mind space that they think they're acting and just like just jettisoning that completely. It's like, we are not making theater. Just stop thinking about theater, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, most of our listeners are who are listening to this particular episode are going to know what you mean when you say uh, playing to lift, but can you, can you explain that briefly? Oh, you know, like, like, you know, basically like, well, one of the things that happened, I mean, it's, just, it's a, I think a really common feature of role-playing once you get kind of experienced at it is understanding that like, you are not there to play your, your character. You're there to make a story as your character, right? And so I don't have to shine all the time. I don't have to hog scenes. I can be very quiet. I can let other people shine, right? And so I can see a little bit of like, how much attention am I demanding? Who ha else has demanded attention? And then what I can do is like watch for people who maybe haven't had as much attention, maybe because they're shy, maybe because they're scared, maybe because they're just out of it for some reason and they're just not finding a way in and then, then helping them interact. And I do that by, you know, like deliberately having conversations with them, deliberately giving them answers to questions or prompts that like lead them into conversation, like drawing them into their character so that they can like, push out things about their character they might have wanted to say, right? And I do that, like, by basically being a, like, you know, in, in a theatrical, in a comedic sense, I guess, a straight person to their their joking, right? Like, I, I just fit the role I need to fit so that they can move. And that, I and if you do that for, the, for people like that, they start to feel more confident. And, you know, mm. I, just to kind of just, because I want to give credit where due, like, I learned this as a partner dancer. I learned this swing dancing, right? That you would go to swing dance clubs and you would see people who didn't know how to dance. And they would just hang out and they'd be really scared and you wanted more people to dance. So you just go and dance with them. And they weren't good dancers, but if you just didn't give them judgment and you just responded to what they did and like helped them dance better, then they had a good time. They got more comfortable. They danced better automatically because they were more relaxed and they were more inclined to come back. And so you think about it as like a partner dance in a way where like you're not here to dance and show off on the floor. You're here to make a good dance with everybody. And that means the person who maybe is just like tapping their foot on the side of the floor who really wants to dance, go dance with them and, and let them shine while you dance. And if you do that, then, then you start building a, this sort of like, you know, this tennis match where everybody's hitting the ball back and forth. And that's when I think role-playing really starts to shine. I, I love this idea of a tennis match with maybe 40 people in it and everyone's hitting the ball <laughs> beautifully. Yeah. Uh, Nick, uh, a question before we move on. A 2018 or 2022 run of Project Ascension? Uh, 2022. Oh, we've met then. 
<laughs> I thought I thought we had met. I thought we had. I wasn't going to do have, it, but I thought we had. We met. have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those that are listening, uh, I worked as a designer on Project Ascension uh, for the 2022 run. But yeah, um, one of the things that I actually think that players really love, uh, especially new folks, is like kind of getting a personalized, like, not to, special is not per se the correct word, but a, a, a specifically cultivated experience for them. These are things like new player modules, um, opening ceremonies, and other things that really get to like let them have their main character moment. Um, the way that I talk to a lot of new players when they're trying to design their characters or figure out where they fit into the world is that I remind them that their backstory is kind of like the prologue, if you will, and that on the first page of the first chapter is where their story starts. And so giving them that kind of main character moment to end their prologue to kind of then integrate them into the world I think really lets them kind of go like, cool, I was the main character and the only one in the story. And now I am many things. Yes, I am the main character of my story. I'm also a sidekick, a foil, supporting and kind of taking this more film style approach to the way that we can like help each other play, especially since I exist in a lot of more freeform loose styles that have a lot less things to do um i've actually played in larps that are plot there's no there's no plot shack there's no npc staff it's all you guys in this room together (laughs) have fun and it was so there's like definitely a variety of approaches i'm also like a big fan of like take my hand now hold on tight and you just you take them if they if they want that especially and a big thing is that like talking to people like as people as human people first uh where you ask them like what do you want what are you afraid of what would you like me to do um i used to be a new player like logistin whatever where like part of my job was to literally help greet new players and bring them kind of into the fold if you will And um, it's definitely one of those things that everyone's going to have different comforts and different fields. But the number one way I like to introduce new players is just give them something valuable, whether it's information or an item or something, and then throw them in the deep end with the full knowledge that I'm standing by the side of the pool with a floaty ready to save them. (laughs) Uh, Both of you are so fantastically thoughtful about this. I was just talking about like value lines and, and exercises you can do during a, a pregame workshop. This is, this is fantastic. I like this idea about welcoming new players in and really taking their hand. Um, thank you for well, that. Yeah. I mean, workshops are also like a thing that a lot of the times if you're organizing a LARP, you have a lot more like control over, but as someone who might just be a player, uh, you have significantly less. So we can talk about how like we can introduce people and in different physical activities to get people to embody their characters and different ways that people can make connections and why, you know, out of, you know, 10 connections that are made, eight of them won't actually pan out to anything. And those are all <laughs> like practical things to talk about. 
but those are very much like designing workshops, which could be its own talk by itself. Absolutely. And I think you just hit the nail on the head there. Workshops can be controlled a lot more easily. And gosh, that's rough because most of the time as a, as a new player, what I'm looking for is a little bit of guidance. And then for the, the people running the workshops to give up a little bit more control. Um, so that's well put. Now, we've all been LARPing for a minute. Um, and since we're talking about the, the next year, the coming year in LARP, I'm curious what changes y'all have seen uh, since you started LARPing. And I imagine this conversation is going to roll into trends that we're seeing for the coming year. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the biggest change that I've seen is that um, the, the whole, I mean, I, and, I, and I agree with the point that was made that was like, uh, darker LARP were made about like, you know, oh, there's like different kinds of LARPs and you, you're trying to think about, you know, like what LARP should you be in and should you be, you know, should be, should you be doing like the, the vampire, the post, the post uh, zombie apocalypse LARP, if you don't want to throw a beanbag at somebody kind of thing, right? Like that's like, there's definitely some of that. But one of the biggest differences I've noticed, and I noticed it, you know, I dropped out of LARPs essentially when I stopped running my LARP for a while, just because it took up so much of my brain. And when I came back in much later, LARPs had changed quite a bit. And the biggest difference I noticed is um, old, really old school role players typically approach role playing from this very little prep improv, like I am a ping pong ball in a story style right because that's like what you do in a lot of tabletop role playing is you're just sort of like this is my character i have motivations and i have backstory and then i fly into this room full of obstacles which includes the other players and um and the plot and then i bounce around it like crazy and i have no idea where i'm gonna go and i don't want to know where i'm gonna go because the whole point is that i don't want to know where i'm gonna go if like suddenly you propose to me or you betray me or you you know, like abandon me on the side of the road or you promote me to the leader of the group, I want to have a natural reaction to that and just like respond. And so I'm like, respond, 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 respond. And I think a lot of people come into LARPs like that because that's like how they understand how to do it, especially if they come from an older tradition. And what I found encountering in a lot of these other LARPs is that people were coming in with a very clear sense of the story they wanted to tell. Mm. And they were in the LARP in a sense to tell that story. And they might have pre-planned it. They might have coordinated it with other people. They might have known from moment one that the LARP started. They were going to do this story at moment, you know, N minus five. Um, and so they don't want to bounce off you, right? Like that's disturbing to them. You're like breaking their story. And I've actually had moments in LARPs. I wasn't the direct cause of these things, but I was sort of peripheral to them where players would break character and complain that their story wasn't going the way they wanted it to, or that they were um, that they were put in a position they didn't want to be in, and this was like really alien to me, because I was like, "What's? How can you be in a position you don't want to be in in a role playing game?" The whole point is you don't know what position you're going to be in. I mean, a bad thing can happen, and you want a safety word, right? Like I get it, um, you know, or or you could get drained, and you want a safety word. I get it, but like the idea that the story didn't go the way you wanted it to, and that you were going to react to it was like really odd and I so I so when I went into like the later lives I've done like Project Ascension and, and Saturnalia I started watching for this right and and it led to this like interesting kind of juxtaposition of like this much more cautious caretaking than we ever did back in the day 
where like mm-hmm. people would constantly check in with me if I was being like like negatively emotionally emotive, right? Uh, to make sure I was okay, um, which was generally met by like a yeah, keep going kind of response from me that that certain other players were like on the same page with, and certain other players were like very concerned that I was all right. Um, and then also like witnessing players like like clearly setting up scenes over a long period of time, and then and then just basically enacting them, including scenes by themselves. Right, like scenes that they just perform not for other people; they just literally do it alone in a corner, and that to me is like a very different understanding of what a LARP is. Because like I, I started making LARPs thinking about them as, you know, like sort of, sort of, you know, Darker LARPer said this too, like the idea that like everybody's the protagonist of the story, right? And that like as a LARP designer, you're trying to make a story where everybody gets their own story, right? There is no one story. It's just like there's there's 40 players, there's 40 stories. I just need to make sure everybody has hooks. Everybody, something interesting happens to, they all walk away with something to talk about, right? Done. If I accomplish that, then I did my job as a LARP designer. But that becomes problematic because if you have people who are ping pong balls and people who have scripts, they don't actually intersect well, right? They, they collide in a weird way because either the scripted person's story breaks and they're upset or the ping pong hits something and doesn't see it react and then doesn't know what to do because like they, they're, they're the whole way they understand the world doesn't work. And I feel like that's like one of these, that's one of these things I'm seeing kind of playing out in LARP spaces. And I'm kind of curious as to where it's going to go and whether LARPs are just going to push those groups away from each other or whether there are going to be like some kind of systemic solutions that make those things possible at the same time. That hmm. was way inside. So please. No, that's great. Uh, and Darker Larper, I'm, I'm going to come back to you with the same question. But Nick, I'm curious, how do you think tech is impacting this schism in LARP? Tech in what sense? Well, I'm thinking about um, maybe games that rely on a lot of uh, social interaction ahead of time online or spaces, uh, games that are creating discords or or in-game social networks. Um, do you think that that is something that is driving some of the pre-planning urges? That's um, a bit of a leading question because this is something I've experienced as well. Uh, or is there maybe a solution in tech that that we are going to be looking at in the next year or two? I mean, I found I, I have found that discords and pre-game communication is really useful because it like gets those expectations out on the table. I think it, mm. I think it a byproduct of it is that people can do that planning, but I think they do it anyway. Like they do it. At, I've seen them do it at session. They'll just like they'll just break character and be like, "Hey, we're going to do this scene." Blah 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 blah. Right. Um, but I so I think it's and I think it's certainly better for that population, right? That they can they can coordinate that way. But the other thing that I found it did is like it gave you a chance to like let people just express what they wanted. And as a, as a very improvising player, that was useful to me because like if someone, someone, and again, I'm thinking of Saturnalia here where like we did a lot of discording and players in the discord would say things like, I have a plot I'm going to do and I need it to end this way. So this idea you have for my plot is bad. Don't take it. Whereas other players were saying like, I don't really want to do anything serious in this game. I'm just here to kind of just like have fun and I have this romantic plot I'm going to pursue and that's it. But I don't really, I'll bounce off stuff, but don't drag me into serious stuff. And that gave me like actually a pretty good space to like be like, oh, okay, I know that I need to leave this person alone here and I need to leave this person alone here. What was fascinating about that to me is I was really worried going into the game that I'm like, oh, these are a bunch of people who aren't interested in, in plot and aren't interested in improvising and I'm going to have a problem. But you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play for the group and just find a way to make this interesting for myself as I do it. 
And I actually found that they were all like very competent role players who were willing to throw the ball around with me. And I got, I had a lot of fuel to work with, which is all I really needed. And I was sort of, okay. So I think that because the discord existed, I had a, a, the possibility of preparing myself for those things where if it didn't exist. And then I ran into some of those things. I would have tromped over some of their stuff and mm. we would have actually come into conflict in a way that we would have had to resolve. Mm-hmm. And Darker Larper, what about you? What are the big changes you've seen since you started LARPing? And are there course, any big trends you're seeing this year? I, of course, am going to immediately be like, I'll get to that question in a second. But I want to push Perfect. back a little bit against Nick. Um, I think that the the culture of care that LARP has is substantially better than what we used to have. And I think that it's really important into welcoming new people in our spaces. One of the things LARP wants to do, claims it wants to do, and is having trouble with is in, in like increasing diversity, whichever way you want that word to mean, the answer is yes. And I think that creating a culture of care, um, I'm very lucky, but I grew up in a, like a boys club, like Ampgard, Bellagarth, Dagahir, what I consider the foam sport LARPs, are very like jock heavy. I was a jock in high school. I I played varsity soccer. I dated a cheerleader. Like it was a thing. And I think that culturally shifting away from that kind of like good old boy style culture is good for LARP overall. Um, and I also think that the different styles of play, um, there are people who are like these pre-planners who are using LARP as their like backdrop to tell their specific story, which I have certain feelings about that I won't get into here, but I just think that that's not the place for it. But there are also people who just are, who will also come with a little bit more planning where it's like, I want to tell a story about like hope and overcoming. And I'd love for this particular thing to happen sometime over the weekend. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that oftentimes people want something out of LARP and they're afraid to ask for it and then they don't get it and are upset afterwards, which is something you can't really control after the fact. And asking for the thing is what I think culturally is like a good change because then if someone asks for the thing, especially like on an out of game level, you can say, especially, and I say this a lot as a game runner and someone who's on a lot of staffs where we can go, Hey, that's not possible. Or, hey, here's a retooling of an idea, or hey, maybe you go ask, you know, some of your friends if they want to be a part of this. And really letting people have space to both have those improvisations, but also have a framework of the story that they're like looking to explore. Because there are people who are, I would like to tell a very dark story. And I always like to say the Dead Parents Club meets in the lunchroom at 6 p.m., you don't want to join the dead parents club you don't have to there will be plenty of people who want to go have some dead parent sadness with you they'll meet in the lunchroom at 6 p.m if you don't want to go don't be there and it's finding people that larp similar to you that you want to play with that are interesting to bounce off of to work together with i think that it is possible too to have all of these different types of players in the same environment interacting with each other but also not like, for lack of a better term, harshing each other's vibe. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, if, and, oh, go ahead. Go finish your thought. No, no. I was no, going to respond to what you said, but I want you to finish your thought first. No, go for it. Okay. I mean, first of all, let me just say that like 
to 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 respond to what you said at the beginning, um, I am not defending the way we handled safety when I ran a LARP. We were dead shit at it, um, <laughs> and I think, I, I, but I think in part we were dead shit at it because we were, you know, a lot of the people who were involved in my early LARP, and I think we're involved in LARPing in the beginning because it was some of the shifts in role playing. I would argue happened because of the introduction of more people from theater into them, is that that those disciplines have safety precautions already, right? So when you're LARPing with a bunch of people who have acting training. Like everybody kind of already knows what to do when shit goes wrong. Like they've 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 spent years literally training to do it. So you didn't really have to talk about it. Like people kind of knew what we would do in those circumstances. And everybody, and this is where we were shit at it. We all just sort of assumed everybody knew that. I didn't know that, but I'd been role playing for like fourteen years by the time I LARPed. So I I knew how to get out of bad situations in these things. Um, I think we just didn't build any scaffolding for it. So I totally agree that it is shit for new players, and you should be much more careful about it and a culture of care is good um but i but i i think and i think the um i I don't remember the exact metaphor you used there like the dead parents basement or something the the dead parents club Dead parents club yeah like i think that's a potential solution right and and i think that that i one of the things I, i hope larps do more of in the future is matchmaking on that level Right. Like, like not so much of a, like, cause, cause if you ask like, like a, like an improvising role player, what do you want out of this game? Like, I, I, I don't have an answer to that. Like I, I have a character. I want to play my character and I want stuff to happen. That's it. Like, I don't actually want anything. I like, if I wanted something, it would break my game. Right. Which is a very different, it's like, it's not a different want response. It's a fundamentally different approach to a, to a, to a live action role playing game. Um, those people like have to be carefully curated if they're going to occupy the same pools. And I wonder ways in which games as separate objects or games as combined objects can make that stuff a little bit more comfortable. But I think the other thing about care in these contexts, which I think is really interesting, is that like it's kind of different ways of playing again. And, and it's a sort of question of like, well, what should care look like? And, and I don't know where I stand on this argument. So I'm just offering things I've seen. Like, if you walk up to me because I'm crying and you ask me if I'm okay, you have at the same time done a very nice thing of checking to make sure I'm in an all right state and completely broken my immersive moment. And I don't know what the answer to that question is, right? Like, I, I don't, and I don't know how they're not mutually exclusive, right? Like, I think you have to do some of that, right? Because someone could actually be crying. Um, and maybe that just safety just dictates that that wins, which I, which I would be fine with, right? But there's, there is this cultural difference that happens. And it goes back to this like OOC point, right? Like that, that what I find is like when, I, when I've had encounters with people like that in LARPs, like the people who don't want to be interrupted just shut down that conversation as fast as they can. And that when people are perceptive to it, they just like respond to it and they just move on, right? Everybody just moves on very quickly. Um, and that the collisions happen when people don't have the same set of expectations. But I, I don't know. I just think it's like, it's just interesting. It's like a really big cultural difference. I've found myself wishing more than I'm comfortable admitting, I think, um, that I could use the thumbs up, thumb down check-in. Ah, in yes, real life. the okay check-in. Yes, like, and, and not just in LARP, but I mean, I, I kind of feel like we should just be teaching this in grade school, you know? Are I you mean, having big emotions that you're okay having right now? Thumbs up? Yeah, cool. I mean, like, at least in, like, my social, social, at least in my social circle, which is a lot of LARPers to be considerate, 
we have those things. And even with like my non-LARPer friends, we have a, hey, we're changing the topic, no questions asked, which is a um, button for a different podcast. It's, and now <laughs> the weather, um, which is for a welcome to Night Vale. But I also see that Noah has his hand up. Well, well, I wanted, Nick said something and it, it, it triggered a thought about, that goes like this. And I wanted to toss this question to you, Dan, which is some of what we're talking about or you're talking about here collectively is about the systems that are in place to, uh, that the the players exist in. Um, and some of it also seems to be linked to sort of the skill and the innate knowledge of the other players and the people running the event. And so I'm, I'm wondering and I want to toss to Dan first. What do you think the mix here? Like, what's what's the what's the alchemical formula here in terms of scaffolding and structures uh, that are that are laid out for everybody? How much of of the of the good time that's going to be had by all this, you know, is that? And how much of it is the skill of? the LARP rights and the LARP runners, the game masters, for those who, who don't speak that language, at making sure that they're doing that job of matchmaking people and sort of being the good hosts of the party. Because uh, as I was listening, I was sort of hearing that a lot of this comes down to, you know, are you getting the right people playing together? And and what is that? How does How does one facilitate that? And it does seem to me to come down to, you know, part of its structure, part of its skill. And and I wonder what your experience or, or your, your thought on that one is, Dan. Yeah, totally. So I'm from the Midwest and everyone and their mama has a pasta salad and they're all different. And I think that's what it ends up coming down to. The type of safety, skill and quote unquote difficulty level of the LARPing scenario is going to be completely different for if I'm doing a private art house evocative with a invited list of guests that are longtime hardcore LARPers that want to feel something and cry and shout than, say, a blockbuster LARP inspired by some horrible turfs wizarding school and there's a lot of new players who want a chance to explore and have never done this before. And I think a lot of that ends up going to the LARP rights and the LARP organizers. Um, and I think that's also part of like what's been trending is running games that have been written by other people that are reruns in different places. But we can mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I think overall, like, it's a combination of like so many different factors and part of the art that is LARP is really being able to kind of know what your LARP is, who it's targeting, who's most likely to play, and then adjusting that as you see fit when you start to see who your player base is, whether that's adjusting character sheets and things like that, or like fixing back end plot that that's not public yet. I think that also goes into this general idea of who's coming to it and what are the thematic ideas of the LARP because there are lots of LARP that are thematically like 
I like to say ingredient list is a thing that LARPs use to kind of, it's a newer technique to kind of basically say, this is what is in our inside of our LARP. Um, but also what's not like this LARP does not contain nuts, uh, which is also really helpful. And I think it's part of this culture of safety that we're building up. But a lot of it is kind of figuring out what's going on and who's coming and who's interested. Because if I pitch a dark Y2K end of the world um, New Year's LARP, which is something that I have written, that I've played <laughs> with friends. Um, it's it's a very like sad, melancholy, irrelevant kind of LARP that I played with a selective group of my close friends because I was like, I don't think this is for everyone. And I told everyone, hey, this is the vibes. If you don't want to come, totally understand. It is going to be this kind of vibes. And that's the, the goal. And that's also written in the way that it's written. And I think that's very different than if I say, hey, do you guys want to go play Faye in the woods? And we're having our 1,000 yearly picnic. Um, it'll be great. Uh, we're going to have fun. Uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting it catered. Um, you know, like delicious, like little finger sandwiches and like pastries. You know, we'll just hang out and, you know, we'll just talk about how we've dominated our realms for, you know, the last thousand years. And then we'll pass on the crown to, you know, whoever wants it by however way we decide in the moment. They're both LARPs that have similar general frameworks, but they have very different takes on their tone, their themes and their style. Um, and I think that there's like a place for both of them in LARP because they're both real LARPs that exist. Um, but I just think that it really is about like, as someone who's running LARPs, knowing like it's, it's art is a science, like I said, and knowing that kind of making those adjustments as needed, making sure that people are coming in with that kind of awareness of what they are looking for. And if this is the place to find it. Dan, you, you limb a good a good picture with the um, finger sandwiches out in the woods. I want to, I want to join that party. It's a real LARP. I'm on the staff for it. <laughs> can I, can I, can I riff on, on something in this though? Cause I think like, I, like, I, I think this is something I, I, I've never actually said this before. And I think I kind of really want to say it cause it refers directly to what we just said. When we look at things like LARP and tabletop role-playing, right, we're, we're often looking at them as like sort of like, oh, there, there are these, these sub-genre of this much larger genre of interactive narrative, right? And so like LARP is sort of like immersive theater, except there's no audience and people can kind of just do it on their own. And tabletop role-playing is just like a version of games. And the more I've seen these things develop and the more I've studied them, I think that is fundamentally not true. Like it, like role-playing as a form, as a broad form, is a, as deep as a media whole genre, a medium of work, right? Like beyond genre, just medium of work. I would argue role playing is as deep as theater, in terms oh, of like the complexity I of the agree. form. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, like, and it means yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah, like I view TTRPGs, which I'm a part of, um, and I play in way too many games, uh, both online and offline, and LARP as like subgenres of the storytelling of like tree just like we have like things like the oral tradition which is something that like I study in school but like these are forms of storytelling that we've evolved over the ages and that at least for me just like theater is like a form of storytelling we can kind of dig deep into this well 
and like watching that like LARP has a really long history I was actually in a lecture today about how old is LARP that was the whole ass lecture um (laughs) and the question is "Eh," is the answer uh so I think it like comes from this like really deep wellspring that like especially if we take a step and look at LARP as like imaginative play and like how long have we been doing this with intentionality I think that like there's like a lot more there than meets the eye. Yeah, and it, it leads to this really interesting, you know, like ramification if you just like extend the metaphor somewhere else. Like I think a lot of what's going on right now with LARPs because because like you know, you can hear like LARPing your job was something I heard in an Ezra Klein podcast for goodness sake, uh, right? Yes, like, my work sona. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm, and like that mm-hmm. that like that but the idea that it was in the Ezra Klein class without explanatory comma, right? That that it was like you I guess you can say LARP now in normal populations and people know what you're talking about. That was not true in the 90s. Um uh, hold on, on the flip side, on the flip side there was um uh morning edition Scott Inskeep uh casually called LARPing uh, costume camping. I mean, so. <laughs> yeah, which not is like, every LARP is like camping, but a lot of them are. Yeah, but it, I mean, this is my, this is exactly my point, right? Like it gets put into that box, but it would, you know, and I think what's happening now, the meta, only metaphor that's coming into my head is as if like people joining LARPs right now are basically saying something that sounds to me an awful lot like, oh, I've heard about these things called film. I'm going to go see a film. Do you want to buy a ticket to a film with me? And then you just go to a film, <laughs> right? And maybe maybe you walked into Land Before Time and maybe you walked into Human Centipede, right? And it's like, they're all films, right? And nobody in their right mind would be like, yes, those are the same object. Like, that is like now I'm thinking point. of a Human Centipede Land Before Time one. <laughs> Please don't. Please stop. I don't know. I'm I'm finding it really interesting with like we had in 2022, I believe. Oh God, time. Uh, we had like I believe it was the New Yorker that like did this whole feature segment on LARP. It was. And, it was last year. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. The year that felt like forever, but nothing. Um, and like watching that kind of exist in the public and getting people asking questions. Where, like, I'm the kind of person where, like, if you stand next to me on the bus and you, like, talk to me, I will give you a business card that, like, is, like, I do art. You should check it out. Like, and I've just been really interesting to see the people who also, like, I, at least for me, like, I will briefly, like, brush onto them and be, like, LARP. Whoo! And then get an email or a DM that's like, hey, I tried that thing. Super fun. Thanks. And I'm like, oh, okay. Or like, hey, I, I'm based out of here. Can you f- help me find a LARP that like is going to work for me? Um, and I'm like really excited to do that because I'm, of course, trying to get more people into the thing that I love. Um, but I there's this weird kind of, I think, magic that's kind of going on. Obviously, we can't not talk about LARP trends without talking about the Galactic Star Cruiser from Walt Disney World, which was a big thing that came out that really is like an immersive space. I have had I have not had the pleasure of going myself because I am poor, but I have had lots of friends going and the interest like we can't disagree that that's an immersive environment. Whether it's a LARP is debatable. Oh no, I, um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here with full knowledge that 
and I'm speaking slowly so that uh, this can be edited out if no one wants to hear this in public, but that people who work on Galactic Star Cruiser understand it's a LARP and call it a LARP. Oh, 100%. Uh, can <laughs> unofficially confirm. <laughs> like, but I think that also part of the commentary and debate around it is so much of it is related to the your data pad and interacting via like technology which isn't good or bad but because of how many people are there that the interactions that are digital that we might actually have as say players in project ascension where i ask if we can meet for coffee say out or go for a walk together in which you're interacting with the same person who sent that message in real time that there's that disconnect there that makes it feel more like a uh, choose your own adventure style than anything else. Uh, but that is, again, a whole nother thing that could be its own entire talk because the wellspring. Well, but I think, I mean, I, I think that's part of the point, right? Like, it's like, like you, you know, like that's, this is the, this is the, the, the breath, I guess you know, in the, in the positive connotation, right? Like the sheer, the sheer area that LARPing takes up. And I think, you know, I, I don't think this happens as much with more modern, like very, very modern LARPs, but like you go back a few years and like, you know, there was, there was a lot of like, we need to break LARPs out of their hole by people who are just making LARPs for other people. And that's not necessarily the best approach for people. Cause like a lot of people go to immersive theater and don't want to get talked to, right. They want to see the cool dancing and they, they certainly want to like, watch somebody else encounter that person, but please don't touch me and good God, don't talk to me and make me talk kind of audience members. Right. Mm -hmm. And like when those people are in, in, in LARPs, like they, you know, what are they going to do? Right. Like, like they, they don't want to have a conversation with somebody else. And like, how do we, do we tell them not to come to LARPs? I mean, that maybe is an answer. Yeah. Or do we build LARPs around, <laughs> but do we build LARPs that make them possible? Are there things that are, are halfway to LARPs that well, are scaffolded? I think that it becomes we're once again across the very fuzzy line that is immersive theater because the big thing, at least in my mind, that separates LARP from theater, especially immersive theater, is the line of the audience. Is there an audience? If the answer is yes, it is not a LARP that's immersive theater because, at least for me, the big thing about LARP is the fact that the audience is the participants. They have to interact together as a unit because that's how you lens the experience that's why things like the society for creative anachronism which i am a member of which does not want to be called a larp i respect that they don't want to be called a larp that thing is a larp they don't even let you come really to like any big things without you know here's a basic tea tunic and a pair of sweatpants without labels congratulations you blend in like part of the like the the dream of the sca is this Kind of like you have to participate even if you, you know, end up just sewing in a circle while you wear funny clothes is a part of it. And I think that that separation between is there an audience and if there is, it's not LARP is like kind of where I draw my very hard line in someone who holds a very loose definition of LARP. Okay, so I made a LARP with Lizzie Stark uh, several years ago called This Miracle. Um, which is a meditation on religion. And the basic structure, which I'll do really fast because I'm getting to a point here, is that in the first half, you play a storytelling game where you make up a, a brand new religion. And the second half, you play a LARP where you go on the pilgrimage of that religion, sort of like the Hajj. Um, it's a pilgrimage everybody in the religion does. And the instructions of the second part are that you get a character archetype and you're supposed to kind of invent a character around it. But the game 
basically says you're going to go through the rituals you created in the first half, but you never have to say or do anything. Like you can simply walk with the group anywhere the group goes, do whatever you want to do, and then go back. You don't even have to speak, right? Because the whole point of the game is that it's supposed to be a reflection on religious experience. So like your performed religious experience is not relevant. So if a player goes into that LARP and does nothing and says nothing and just walks back and forth with the group to the different rooms where the things happen, is that an audience member? And if that's an audience member, did that make it not a LARP? I think at the end of the day, it's worth asking that person, are you LARPing? And their answer will tell you the answer, which seems very like cart before the horse. But I think that especially someone who strongly believes in like also like the solo LARP scene, which is like a whole thing um, where like having an experience and crafting one from something for yourself and only you is still like a viable way to LARP. Uh, I think that it's one of those things where it, it, the answer is the answer. And the only way you can receive the answer is by asking those who participate, uh, which is not a real answer, but is the only one that I have. Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but I think it draws us like right back into the problem, which is like, you know, if I go to something that I think of as theater I have this expectation that I am being taken care of and I have this expectation that um, that the thing is going to work even if I don't contribute. Like if I if I go to see something, I mean, I, I have a very specific example of my, my, my mind from um, Capital W, uh, a, a piece called Red Flag, but because um, that piece exemplifies this, but I'll just take Sleep No More because it's an easier example, right? Like I should, I should be able to go to Sleep No More and just like walk around and watch people and that's it, right? I can go to Sleep No More and get pulled into a room and get seduced by somebody and get a watch and then like have someone hold my hand and dance with me and all sorts of other stuff, right? Like tons of stuff can happen, but I can go and just watch it. And if a LARP can't let me do that, then I think it's a kind of like, it's an interesting question of like, well, who's supposed to go to LARPs? And should they know up front, like, yo, you're going to tightrope walk. You ready for it? You're going to tightrope walk because you're going to have to do something. And there's going to be a whole bunch of other people there and they're going to do something with you. And if we want to grow LARPing and that's scary, how do we do that? You know, right? Like there's a reason why partner dancing stays small. It's a skill-based activity that's kind of frightening to do because you have to hold somebody else's hand and then perform in front of somebody else sort of, right? Um, But you can't do it, you know, like by not doing it. You have to do it if you're going to do it. I mean, we don't care if you come and stand on the sidelines. You're just not dancing, right? And like what what happens like I, these are the kind of collisions that I see happening right now, right? Because I think there's like all of these interesting cultures that are that are coming for completely different reasons, like like intersecting in these games and the games are doing actually a pretty good job of like making a space for them all to exist. But they're there for really different reasons. And some of them don't even know why they're there. Right. They just know that this is a form that sounds sort of interesting to them or they heard something about it. And my problem with some of these articles that have been coming out, was the New Yorker article one about the conversion therapy LARP or was that a different one? I think that's a different one only because I remember having a visceral reaction to that and my friends were not quoted in it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that, but that, that article was really problematic because it was a first time LARPer in what really should not have been in a report from a first time LARPer. <laughs> Right. Like that's not a game where like a first timer's experience is is bringing a lot of enlightenment to what that game was actually about. It just becomes about the person's own confusion and attempt to figure out what they're doing in a LARP. 
and, well, and like, I think that's you know I think that's the I don't feel like that's the system failing the LARPer but like I think that it's one thing to be like, hey, I don't think this is right for you. Here's what's going to happen. And someone's with that, like, kind of flag gate saying, I want to do it anyhow. Like, sure. At that point, you've made an informed decision. But at the same time, I think that there should also be, like, space for people to go. I actually don't know, you know, my friends do this thing or I saw someone do this thing and it sounded cool. So I'm here and we'll figure it out along the way. And I think part of the heavy lifting weight of workshops uh, is that. Um, this is this is fantastic. Already, I feel like we have uh, three more episodes we need to get out of this. <laughs> um, I hope you guys will come back on, on the podcast sometime soon. Um, but we are coming up on an hour, and I, I do want to make sure that we're hitting trends. Um, relatively briefly, what are the trends you're seeing for 2023? And if you could end your thought, each of you, with uh, what are you hopeful to see in the coming year for LARP? What am I seeing happening? I'm seeing um, a big, like, LARPs are getting, like, more normalized as, like, at, like immersive events. And you're seeing more and more things, you know, you know, vis-a-vis the Willows, right, that, that are, like, a LARP-adjacent stuff that's, like, starting to push into theater. So I think more of these things are going to start popping up and and they're going to start becoming more casualized as a result, right? Like in the galactic star cruiser kind of way. So I mm-hmm. definitely see that's a trend that's coming. At the same time, you know, LARPs have, some LARPs have been successful committing quite a bit of money and I think you're going to see more of them do that. And I think that's good too, right? Because there's populations that are, that are pursuing them. What I'm hopeful about is that I think that I have seen none of these LARPs happen without people on the staff and organization side seeing some of these conflicts come through. And even though that sounds pessimistic, what makes me hopeful is that I think the things that we're talking about, I mean, I mean, you know, Darker Lover actually organizes. So like the fact that that you're talking about it is a sign that these are known. But I think we're becoming more aware of it. And I think the fact that LARPs are beginning pushed to the surface of, of, of a broader um, cultural consciousness means that we're going to have to confront some of these questions. And I think it's going to lead to some kind of answers. And I don't know what they are, right? Because it's like, it's, it's acculturation questions that are going to be very complicated and broad. But I do think it means that more designers are going to take that seriously as they approach these things. And hopefully the place where I'm really, where I'm going to cross my fingers on is that the press will get smarter. I mean, outside of publications like this that think about these things like like non-immersive publications will get a little bit smarter about how they cover them so they can actually inform people about what they're getting into um, when they enter into these experiences and they can make better choices yeah um for me um trends that i'm seeing uh reruns so games that have been played before that are getting rerun usually often by a different company and a different place um longer runs so Like, we're going to run this game for one weekend and then another run of the same game, another weekend for another group of people, longer runs of that. Often you will see, like, two. We're now getting to three, four, five. I think the longest one I've seen so far is six for this year. We'll see how that goes on a burnout level. Um, And I'm also seeing lots of games that are based or inspired by pre-existing IPs. Um, One of the things that I'm hopeful for is a variety of types of LARPs that draw in different types of people. 
because there's a lot of people who are, at least in my opinion, looking to make that plunge and finding something that they relate to, especially with the inspired by or based on an IP, really taking that leap with both feet because they love something already. That's fantastic. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to to playing my first uh, foam sport LARP. I'm here for the buffer. I think it's time. I'm ready to hit that lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Um, Darker LARPer, Nick Fortuna, uh, Noah, it was fantastic having you all here. Thank you so much for joining me to talk a little bit about LARP today. Um, this was great. I can't wait to do it again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. Once again, I want to thank Leah for hosting. I want to thank Dan and Nicholas for being our guests. We could have gone on for much longer. I actually am the one who was like, oh, hey, we've been at it for an hour now. Oh, we probably have to stop. Um, I'm, we'll definitely have everybody back. Like there's there's too much, uh, too much everything, too much, uh, too much joy, too much wanting to, to get into to the nitty gritty of it all. Um, and, and LARP is, as you can tell, not only foundational to the form in terms of how much it informs, uh, so much of the work in immersive, uh, foundational to the lens that we use here at no proscenium to understand what's going on. Um, you know, I'm one of those theater kids who LARPed back in the nineties and that's, that's the ball game, right? That's, that's the whole ball game. Uh, many of you know the origin story. All right. Um, gosh, what is what is up? Uh, not too much to report at this very junction in time. Uh, backers, you uh, know that there's an irregular in the feed. Uh, you do need to pick up the Patreon specific RSS feed so you can get get wedged in there. Uh, Patrick had me take a look at whether or not. Uh, it'd be possible to just put that uh, feed into the Patreon so people can get it, but it shows up as locked. Um, I may do some mojo and just just shove the audio onto the Patreon uh, automatically uh, or just, just upload it there or maybe just start just uploading it there and not into the, uh, into the Acast feed. Uh, we will see what I do exactly. Uh, but Patreon backers will note that uh, we are now embedding, as of this episode, we're going to embed the audio uh, directly into uh, the thing. So you don't have to click over to the website anymore. I'm, I'm a little a little nervous about that because uh, I like to track the clicks at the website. Uh, it's it's just, it's all such a mess. Uh <laughs> The independent media is not simple. No one wants to hear me complain about that. Uh, everyone wants to complain to me about it, but uh, no, no one wants to hear me complain right now. Uh, just, just know that um, every single person, if you're listening to this, uh, if you, if you knew no one person uh, who you know doesn't listen to the show, and there's an episode of the show you think they'd like, get them, get them to listen to the show. Or, or there's folks who you know you think might be interested in immersive. We've got some articles coming out. Uh, they'll hopefully help people get excited about a few things and you know, do what we can to start introducing people to, to the, the wider world of immersive. That's part of the game plan for uh, the first part of the year here and, um, and hopefully some stuff you all can share uh, because we just, you know, uh, that's, that's the job. 
like spread the good news, spread the good word about immersive uh, in all of its forms to as many people as we can. Just keep it all rolling. Um, one thing that's fun, uh, you know, the uh, 40 Watts of Nowhere here in Los Angeles, uh, our friends, Mr. And Mischief uh, on the episode uh, just last month on the episode on the podcast just last month, uh, they got some coverage from KCRW and also from the L.A. Times. Uh, and they've got one more weekend. They've added one more weekend to their extension that they did, their encore run. Uh, and so, uh, so happy for Andy and Jeff uh, getting coverage from uh, the big local cultural institutions. They deserve it. That's wonderful. And uh, hopefully, like all the other weekends, this extra weekend will sell out and maybe even set up something uh, longer form down the road. I do think they're done running the show for a hot minute because uh, they have they have other things to do in their life. Um, I think some folks might also know that uh, The Nest has come back to Los Angeles. Hatch Escapes is now running it. Um, that was all over our webbing the other day. Uh, I'll make sure I put a show notes in here. So just it's a good time if you like narrative um you know, uh, escape game, you know, adjacent or related experiences in Los Angeles. Uh, it's really good. It's a really good time for that. And indeed, um, for those of you, if you can't make it around in time for 40 Watts Nowhere, or if, if you're coming in from out of town and you're like, well, what should I do? I'm in LA. I'm going to go to LA. What immersive stuff should I do? Well, I'll tell you the nest you should go all the way out to the ministry of peculiarities and uh, you should take the trip down to Anaheim to go to uh, the Weeping Witch at Crossroads. That's what you should do, uh, without a doubt. Um, although, I figure maybe you're going to Disney, you know, if you're going to Disneyland, catch the Weeping Witch uh, in there. Um, sadly, Ministry is nowhere near close to where Universal Studios is. Very, very far away from each other. I'd say hit Super Mario Land and Super Nintendo Land. I keep on... It looks like Mario World, everybody. Just I keep coming back to this each time. Like, I'm sorry. I really am. I'm never going to lure the universal people here if I keep on saying Super Mario Land. But let's be real. That's what it looks like. <sighs> I guess because the, there's Yoshi, Yoshi's Island, okay? You know, part of the Grand Mario universe. <sighs> I mean, like, maybe so we've got some Pikmin in there or... Some Zelda, and then I, you know, just a little bit of Ganon going on, you know, like, you know, Ganon and Bowser hanging out, like, get the Toadstool Cafe, right? Anyway, um, so <laughs> you're coming into town. Uh, that's a trifecta to hit while you're here. There's plenty other. There's other great escape games. Uh, go, go ask our friends at Room Escape Artists what else you should check out if you're in Los Angeles. But for the immersive heads, uh, that's where you want to head first and foremost. The Nest, The Ministry, and uh, The Weeping Witch. All right. Um, that's enough for now. Um, we're keeping our eyes open, seeing where the next stuff is. Checking out the Oculus Quest 3 rumors. Keeping a real close eye to see if there's some some more games or some more experiences get announced. Because that's more than new hardware. Hardware is working just fine for me right now. I, I want I wanted some some games, some stuff that's gonna gonna get me going. Ooh, I gotta play that. Uh, you can tell I'm a little bit rambly because uh, we record these at night now. 
Um, I've changed up my whole deal. I do this on Thursday night. So uh, I'm just, instead of waking up, I'm like burning off the last of my energy. So, all right, I'm going to let you go. It's been like 10 minutes of this too much. Let's do the end of the show. The associate producer of No Persinium is Parker Sala. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar, the podcast. Special thanks to Shavana Lachlan for voicing our intro. And everything wrong with this show is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show.